Good evening. Welcome to the Just Sleep Podcast. I'm Tasha, your host. Every week, I will read you an old story to help you relax, put the stressful day behind you, and drift off to sleep. Occasionally, we will run ads in order to cover the costs of the production of the podcast. Rest assured, there will be no ads during or after the story. If you prefer an ad-free and intro-free show, you can join Just Sleep Premium. Visit justsleeppodcast.com slash support for more information. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Tonight. I continue the story, The Merry Adventures of Robin Hood, by Howard Pyle. So lie down, close your eyes, and let me read you a story. Robin Hood Turns Butcher Now after all these things had happened, and it became known to Robin Hood, how the sheriff had tried three times to make him captive, he said to himself, If I have the chance, I will make our worshipful sheriff pay right well for that which he hath done to me. Maybe I may bring him some time into Sherwood Forest and have him to a right merry feast with us. For when Robin Hood caught a baron or a squire or a fat abbot or bishop, he brought them to the greenwood tree and feasted them before he lightened their purses. But in the meantime, Robin Hood and his band lived quietly in Sherwood Forest without showing their faces abroad, for Robin knew that it would not be wise for him to be seen in the neighborhood of Nottingham, those in authority being very wroth with him. 
But though they did not go abroad, they lived a merry life within the woodlands, spending the days in shooting at garlands hung upon a willow wand at the end of the glade, the leafy aisles ringing with merry jests and laughter, for whoever missed the garland was given a sound buffet, which, if delivered by little John, never failed to topple over the unfortunate yeoman. Then they had bouts of wrestling and of cudgel play, so that every day they gained in skill and strength. Thus they dwelled for nearly a year, and in that time Robin Hood often turned over in his mind many means of making an even score with the sheriff. At last he began to fret at his confinement, so one day he took up his stout cudgel and set forth to seek adventure. Strolling blithely along until he came to the edge of Sherwood. There, as he rambled along the sunlit road, he met a lusty young butcher driving a fine mare and riding in a stout new cart, all hung about with meat. Merrily whistled the butcher as he jogged along, for he was going to the market, and the day was fresh and sweet, making his heart blithe within him. Good morrow to thee, jolly fellow, quoth Robin. Thou seemest happy this merry morn. Aye, that I am, quoth the jolly butcher, and why should I not be so? Am I not hale and wind and limb? Have I not the bonniest lass in all Nottinghamshire? And lastly, am I not to be married to her on Thursday next in sweet Loxley Town? Ha, said Robin, comest thou from Loxley Town? Well do I know that fair place for miles about, and well do I know each hedgerow and gentle pebbly stream, and even all the bright little fishes therein, for there I was born and bred. Now, where goest thou with thy meat, my fair friend? I go to the market at Nottingham Town to sell my beef and my mutton, answered the butcher. But who art thou that comest from Loxley Town? A yeoman am I, and men do call me Robin Hood. Now, by Our Lady's grace, cried the butcher, well do I know thy name, and many a time have I heard thy deeds both sung and spoken of. But heaven forbid that thou shouldest take hold of me. An honest man am I, and have wronged neither man nor maid, so trouble me not, good master, as I never troubled thee. Nay, heaven forbid indeed, quoth Robin, that I should take from such as thee, jolly fellow. Not so much as one frothing would I take from thee, for I love a fair Saxon face like thine right well, more especially when it cometh from Loxley Town, and most especially when the man that owneth it is to marry a bonny lass on Thursday next. But come, tell me for what price thou wilt sell me all of thy meat and thy horse and cart. At four marks do I value meat, cart, and mare, quoth the butcher, but if I do not sell all my meat, I will not have four marks in value. Then Robin Hood plucked the purse from his girdle, and quoth he, Here in this purse are six marks. Now, I would fain be a butcher for the day, and sell my meat in Nottingham Town. Wilt thou close a bargain with me, and take six marks for thine outfit? Now, may the blessings of all the saints fall on thine honest head, cried the butcher right joyfully as he leaped down from his cart and took the purse that Robin held out to him. Nay, quoth Robin, laughing loudly, many do like me and wish me well, but few call me honest. Now get thee gone, 
back to thy lass, and give her a sweet kiss from me. So saying, he donned the butcher's apron, and, climbing into the cart, he took the reins in his hand, and drove off through the forest to Nottingham town. When he came to Nottingham, he entered that part of the market where a butcher stood, and took up his inn in the best place he could find. Next he opened his stall, and spread his meat upon the bench. Then, taking his cleaver and steel, and clattering them together, he trolled aloud in merry tones. Now come ye lasses and eke ye dames, and buy your meat from me. For three pennies worths of meat I sell, for the charge of one penny. Lamb have I that hath fed upon naught but the dainty dame's pied, and the valet sweet and the daffodil that grow fair streams beside. And beef have I from the heathery woods, and mutton from dales all green, and veal as white as a maiden's brow with its mother's milk I ween. Then come ye lasses and eke dames, come buy your meat from me, for three penny worths of meat I sell, for the charge of one penny. Thus he sang blithely, while all who stood near listened amazedly. Then, when he had finished, he clattered the steel and cleaver still more loudly, shouting lustily, Now, who'll buy? Who'll buy? Four fixed prices have I. Three pennies worth of meat I sell to a fat friar or priest for sixpence, for I want not their custom. Stout alderman I charge threepence, for it doth not matter to me whether they buy or not. To buxom dames I sell three pennyworths of meat for one penny, for I like their custom well. But to the bonny lass that hath a liking for a good tight butcher, I charge naught but one fair kiss, for I like her custom the best of all. Then all began to stare and wonder and crowd around, laughing, for never was such selling heard of in Nottingham town. But when they came to buy, they found as he had said, for he gave, good wife or dame, as much meat for one penny as they could buy elsewhere for three. And when a widow or a poor woman came to him, he gave her flesh for nothing. But when a merry lass came and gave him a kiss, he charged not one penny for his meat. And many such came to his stall, for his eyes were as blue as the skies of June, and he laughed merrily, giving to each full measure. Thus he sold his meat so fast that no butcher that stood near him could sell anything. Then they began to talk amongst themselves, and some said, This must be some thief who has stolen cart, horse, and meat. But others said, Nay, when did you ever see a thief who parted with his goods so freely and merrily? This must be some prodigal who hath sold his father's land and would fain live merrily while the money lasts. And these latter being the greater number, the others came round, one by one, to their way of thinking. Then some of the butchers came to him to make his acquaintance. Come, brother, quoth one, who was the head of them all. We be all of one trade, so wilt thou go dine with us? For this day the sheriff have asked all the butcher guild to feast with him at the guild hall. There will be stout fare and much to drink, and that thou likest, or I much mistake thee. Now beshrew his heart, quoth jolly Robin, that would deny a butcher. And moreover, I will go dine with you all, my sweet lads, and that as fast as I can hay. Whereupon, having sold all his meat, he closed his stall and went with them to the great guild hall. There the sheriff had already come in state, and with him many butchers. 
When Robin and those that were with him came in, all laughing at some merry jest he had been telling them, those that were near the sheriff whispered to him, Yon is a right mad blade, for he hath sold more meat for one penny this day than we could sell for three. And to whatsoever merry lass gave him a kiss, he gave meat for naught. And others said, He is some prodigal that hath sold his land for silver and gold, and meaneth to spend all right merrily. Then the sheriff called Robin to him, not knowing him in his butcher's dress, and made him sit close to him on his right hand, for he loved a rich young prodigal, especially when he thought that he might lighten that prodigal's pockets into his own most worshipful purse. So he made much of Robin, and laughed and talked with him more than with any of the others. At last, the dinner was ready to be served, and the sheriff bade Robin say grace. So Robin stood up and said, Now heaven bless us all, and eke good meat and good sack within this house, and may all butchers be and remain as honest men as I. At this all laughed, the sheriff loudest of all, for he said to himself, Surely this is indeed some prodigal, and perchance I may empty his purse of some of the money that the fool throweth about so freely. Then he spake aloud to Robin, saying, Thou art a jolly young blade, and I love thee mightily. And he smote Robin upon the shoulder. Then Robin laughed loudly too. Yea, quoth he, I know thou dost love a jolly blade, for didst thou not have jolly Robin Hood at thy shooting match, and didst thou not gladly give him a bright golden arrow for his own? At this the sheriff looked grave, and all the guild of butchers too, so that none laughed but Robin, only some winked slyly at each other. Come, fill us some sack, cried Robin. Let us e'er be merry while we may, for man is but dust, and he hath but a span to live here till the worm getteth him, as our good gossip Swanthold saith. So let life be merry while it lasts, say I. Nay, never look down in the mouth, Sir Sheriff. Who knowest? But thou mayst catch Robin Hood yet, if thou drinkest less good sack and mansey, and bringest down the fat about thy paunch, and the dust from out thy brain. Be merry, man. Then the sheriff laughed again, but not as though he liked the jest, while the butchers said one to another, Before heaven, never have we seen such a mad, rollicking blade. Mayhap, though, he will make the sheriff mad. How now, brothers, cried Robin, be merry. Nay, never count over your farthings, for by this and by that I will pay the shot myself, e'en though it cost two hundred pounds. So let no man draw up his lip, nor thrust his forefinger into his purse, for I swear that neither butcher nor sheriff shall pay one penny for this feast. Now thou art a right merry soul, quoth the sheriff, and I wot thou must have many a head of horned beasts and many an acre of land that thou dost spend thy money so freely. I, that have I, quoth Robin, laughing loudly again, Five hundred and more horned beasts have I and my brothers, and none of them have we been able to sell, else I might not have turned butcher. As for my land, I have never asked my steward how many acres I have. At this the sheriff's eyes twinkled, and he chuckled to himself. Nay, good youth, quoth he, if thou canst not sell thy cattle, 
It may be I will find a man that will lift them from thy hands. Perhaps that man may be myself, for I love a merry youth and would help such a one along the path of life. Now, how much dost thou want for thy horned cattle? Well, quoth Robin, they are worth at least five hundred pounds. Nay, answered the sheriff slowly, and as if he were thinking within himself. Well do I love thee, and fain would I help thee along, but five hundred pounds in money is a good round sum. Besides, I have it not by me. Yet I will give thee three hundred pounds for them all, and that in good hard silver and gold. Now thou old miser, quoth Robin, well thou knowest that so many horned cattle are worth seven hundred pounds and more, and even that is but small for them. And yet thou, with thy grey hairs and one foot in the grave, wouldst trade upon the folly of a wild youth? At this, the sheriff looked grimly at Robin. Nay, quoth Robin, look not on me as though thou hadst sour bear in thy mouth, man. I will take thine offer, for I and my brothers do need the money. We lead a merry life, and no one leads a merry life for a farthing, so I will close the bargain with thee. But mind that thou bringest a good three hundred pounds with thee, for I trust not one that driveth so shrewd a bargain. I will bring the money, said the sheriff. But what is thy name, good youth? Men call me Robert of Loxley, quoth bold Robin. Then, good Robert of Loxley, quoth the sheriff, I will come this day to see thy horned beasts. But first, my clerk shall draw up a paper in which thou shalt be bound to the sale, for thou gettest not my money without I get thy beasts in return. Then Robin Hood laughed again. So be it, he said, smiting his palm upon the sheriff's hand. Truly, my brothers will be thankful to thee for thy money. Thus, the bargain was closed, but many of the butchers talked among themselves with the sheriff, saying that it was but a scurvy trick to beguile a poor spendthrift youth in this way. The afternoon had come when the sheriff mounted his horse and joined Robin Hood, who stood outside the gateway of the paved court waiting for him, for he had sold his horse and cart to a trader for two marks. Then they set forth upon their way, the sheriff riding upon his horse and Robin running beside him. Thus they left Nottingham Town and travelled forward along the dusty highway, laughing and jesting together as though they had been old friends. But all the time the sheriff said within himself, Thy jest to me of Robin Hood shall cost thee dear, good fellow, even four hundred pounds, thou fool. For he thought he would make at least that much by his bargain. So they journeyed onward till they came within the verge of Sherwood Forest, when presently the sheriff looked up and down, and to the right and to the left of him, and then grew quiet and ceased his laughter. Now, quoth he, may heaven and its saints preserve us this day from a rogue men call Robin Hood. Then Robin laughed aloud. Nay, said he, thou mayst set thy mind at rest, for well do I know Robin Hood, and well do I know that thou art in no more danger from him this day than thou art from me. At this the sheriff looked askance at Robin, saying to himself, I like not that thou seemest so well acquainted with this bold outlaw and I wish that I were well out of Sherwood Forest. But still, they travelled deeper into the forest shades, and the deeper they went, the more quiet grew the sheriff. At last, 
they came to where the road took a sudden bend, and before them a herd of dun deer went tripping across the path. Then Robin Hood came close to the sheriff, and pointing his finger, he said, These are my horned beasts, good master sheriff. How dost thou like them? Are they not fat and fair to see? At this the sheriff drew rein quickly. Now, fellow, quoth he, I would I were well out of this forest, for I like not thy company. Go thou thine own path, good friend, and let me but go mine. But Robin only laughed and caught the sheriff's bridle rein. Nay, cried he, stay a while, for would thou shouldest see my brothers, who own these fair-horned beasts with me. So saying, he clapped his bugle to his mouth and winded three merry notes. And presently up the path came leaping five score good stout yeomen with Little John at their head. What wouldst thou have, good master? quoth Little John. Why, answered Robin, dost thou not see that I have brought goodly company to feast with us today? Fie, for shame. Do you not see our good and worshipful master, the Sheriff of Nottingham? Take thou his bridle, little John, for he has honoured us today by coming to feast with us. Then all doffed their hats humbly, without smiling or seeming to be in jest, while little John took the bridle rein and led the palfrey still deeper into the forest, all marching in order, with Robin Hood walking beside the Sheriff, hat in hand. All this time, the Sheriff said never a word, but only looked about him like one suddenly awakened from sleep. But when he found himself going within the very depths of Sherwood, his heart sank within him, for he thought, Surely my three hundred pounds will be taken from me, even if they take not my life itself, for I have plotted against their lives more than once. But all seemed humble and meek, and not a word was said of danger, either to life or money. So at last, they came to that part of Sherwood Forest, where a noble oak spread its branches wide, and beneath it was a seat all made of moss, on which Robin sat down, placing the sheriff at his right hand. Now busk ye, my merry men all, quoth he, and bring forth the best we have, both of meat and wine, for his worship the sheriff hath feasted me in Nottingham Guild Hall today, and I would not have him go back empty. All this time nothing had been said of the sheriff's money, so presently he began to pluck apart. For, said he to himself, maybe Robin Hood hath forgotten all about it. Then, while beyond in the forest bright fires crackled and savoury smells of sweetly roasting venison and fat capons filled the glade, and brown pasties warmed beside the blaze, did Robin Hood entertain the sheriff right royally. First, Several couples stood forth at quarterstaff, and so shrewd were they at the game, and so quickly did they give stroke and parry, that the sheriff, who loved to watch all lusty sports of the kind, clapped his hands, forgetting where he was, and crying aloud, Well struck, well struck, thou fellow with the black beard, little knowing that the man he called upon was the tinker that tried to serve his warrant upon Robin Hood. Then several yeomen came forward and spread cloths upon the green grass and placed a royal feast, while others still broached barrels of sack and malmsey and good stout ale, and set them in jars upon the cloth with drinking horns about them. Then all sat down and feasted and drank merrily together until the sun was low and the half-moon glimmered with a pale light betwixt the leaves of the trees overhead.
Then the sheriff arose and said, I thank you all, good yeoman, for the merry entertainment ye have given me this day. Right courteously have ye used me, showing therein that ye have much respect for our glorious king and his deputy and brave Nottinghamshire. But the shadows grow long, and I must away before darkness comes, lest I lose myself within the forest. Then Robin Hood and all his merry men arose also, and Robin said to the sheriff, If thou must go, worshipful sir, go thou must, but thou hast forgotten one thing. Nay, I forgot naught, said the sheriff, yet all the same his heart sank within him. But I say thou hast forgot something, quoth Robin. We keep a merry inn here in the greenwood, but whoever becometh our guest must pay his reckoning. Then the sheriff laughed, as a laugh was hollow. Well, jolly boys, quoth he, we have had a merry time together today, and even if ye had not asked me, I would have given you a score of pounds for the sweet entertainment I have had. Nay, quoth Robin seriously, it would ill beseem us to treat your worship so meanly. By my faith, Sir Sheriff, I would be ashamed to show my face if I did not reckon the king's deputy at three hundred pounds. Is it not so, my merry men all? Then I cried all in a loud voice. Three hundred devils, roared the sheriff. Think ye that your beggarly feast was worth three pounds, let alone three hundred? Nay, quoth Robin gravely, speak not so roundly, your worship. I do love thee for the sweet feast thou hast given me this day in merry Nottingham town. But there be those here who love thee not so much. If thou wilt look down the cloth, thou wilt see Will Stutely, in whose eyes thou hast no great favour. Then two other stout fellows are there here that thou knowest not, that were wounded in a brawl nay Nottingham town some time ago. Thou wottest when? One of them was sore hurt in one arm, yet he hath got the use of it again. Good sheriff, be advised by me, pay thy score without more ado, or maybe it may fare ill with thee. As he spoke, the sheriff's ruddy cheeks grew pale, and he said nothing more, but looked upon the ground and gnawed his nether lip. Then slowly he drew forth his fat purse and threw it upon the cloth in front of him. Now, Take the purse, little John, quoth Robin Hood, and see that the reckoning be right. We will not doubt our sheriff, but he might not like it if he should find he had not paid his full score. Then little John counted the money and found that the bag held three hundred pounds in silver and gold. But to the sheriff it seemed as if every clink of the bright money was a drop of blood from his veins. And when he saw it all counted out in a heap of silver and gold, Filling a wooden platter, he turned away and silently mounted his horse. Never have we had so worshipful a guest before, quoth Robin, and, as the day waxeth late, I will send one of my young men to guide thee out of the forest depths. Nay, heaven forbid, cried the sheriff hastily, I can find my own way, good man, without aid. Then I will put thee on the right track, mine own self, quoth Robin and taking the sheriff's horse by the bridle rein, he led him into the main forest path. Then, before he let him go, he said, Now fare thee well, good sheriff, and when next thou thinkest to despoil some poor prodigal, remember thy feast in Sherwood Forest. Ne'er buy a horse, good friend, without first looking into its mouth, as our good gaffer Swanthold says. 
And so, once more, fare thee well. Then he clapped his hand to the horse's back, and off went nag and sheriff through the forest glades. Then bitterly the sheriff rued the day that first he meddled with Robin Hood, for all men laughed at him, and many ballads were sung by folk throughout the country of how the sheriff went to share and came home shorn to the very quick. For thus men sometimes overreach themselves through greed and guile. Little John Goes to Nottingham Fair Spring had gone since the sheriff's feast in Sherwood, and summer also, and the mellow month of October had come. All the air was cool and fresh, the harvests were gathered home, the young birds were full-fledged, the hops were plucked, and apples were ripe. But though time had so smoothed things over that men no longer talked of the horned beasts that the sheriff wished to buy, he was still sore about the matter, and could not bear to hear Robin Hood's name spoken in his presence. With October had come the time for holding the Great Fair, which was celebrated every five years at Nottingham Town, to which folk came from far and near throughout the country. At such times, archery was always the main sport of the day. For the Nottinghamshire yeomen were the best hand at a longbow in all Merry England, but this year, the sheriff hesitated a long time before he issued proclamation of the fair, fearing lest Robin Hood and his band might come to it. At first he had a great part of a mind not to proclaim the fair, but second thought told him that men would laugh at him and say among themselves that he was afraid of Robin Hood, so he put that thought by. At last he fixed in his mind that he would offer such a prize as they would not care to shoot for. At such times it had been the custom to offer a half score of marks or a ton of ale. So this year he proclaimed that a prize of two fat steers should be given to the best bowmen. When Robin Hood heard what had been proclaimed, he was vexed and said, Now beshrew this sheriff that he should offer such a prize that none but shepherd hinds will care to shoot for. I would have loved nothing better than to have had another bout at Mary Nottingham Town. But if I should win this prize, naught would it pleasure or profit me. Then up spoke little John. Nay, but hearken, good master, said he. Only today Will Stutely, young David of Doncaster and I, were at the sign of the blue boar. And there we heard all the news of this merry fair, and also that the sheriff hath offered this prize, that we of Sherwood might not care to come to the fair. So, good master, if thou wilt. I should fain go and strive to win even this poor thing among the stout yeomen who will shoot at Nottingham Town. Nay, little John, quoth Robin, thou art a sound, stout fellow, yet thou lackest the cunning that good Stutely hath, and I would not have harm befall thee for all Nottinghamshire. Nevertheless, if thou wilt go, take some disguise lest there be those who may know thee. So be it, good master, quoth little John, Yet all the disguise that I wish is a good suit of scarlet instead of this Lincoln green. I will draw the cowl of my jacket about my head so that it will hide my brown hair and beard, and then I trust no one will know me. It is much against my will, said Robin Hood. Nevertheless, if thou dost wish it, get thee gone, but bear thyself seemingly, little John, for thou art mine own right-hand man, and I could ill bear to have harm befall thee. 
So little John clad himself all in scarlet and started off to the fair Nottingham town. Right merry were these fair days at Nottingham, when the green before the great town gate was dotted with booths standing in rows, with tents of many-coloured canvas hung about with streamers and garlands of flowers, and the folk came from all the countryside, both gentle and common. In some booths there was dancing to merry music, and others flowed ale and beer, and in others yet again sweet cakes and barley sugar were sold, and sport was going on outside the booths also, where some singers sang ballads of the olden time, playing a second upon the harp, or where the wrestlers struggled with one another within the sawdust ring. But the people gathered most of all around a raised platform where stout fellows played a quarterstaff. So little John came to the fair. All scarlet were his hose and jerkin, and scarlet was his cowled cap, with a scarlet feather stuck in the side of it. Over his shoulders was slung a stout bow of yew, and across his back hung a quiver of good round arrows. Many turned to look after such a stout, tall fellow, for his shoulders were broader by a palm's breadth than any that were there, and he stood a head taller than all the other men. The lasses also looked at him askance, thinking they had never seen a lustier youth. First of all, he went to the booth where stout ale was sold, and standing aloft on a bench he called to all that were near to come and drink with him. Hey, sweet lads, cried he, who will drink ale with a stout yeoman. Come all, come all, let us be merry, for the day is sweet and the ale is tingling. Come hither, good yeoman, and thou, and thou, for not a farthing shall one of you pay. Nay, turn hither, thou lusty beggar, and thou jolly tinker, for all shall be merry with me. Thus he shouted, and all crowded around, laughing, while the brown ale flowed, and they called little John a brave fellow, each swearing that he loved him as his own brother. For when one has entertainment with nothing to pay, one loves the man that gives it to one. Then he strolled to the platform, where they were at cudgel play, for he loved about at quarterstaff, as he loved meat and drink, and here befell an adventure that was sung in ballads throughout the mid-country for many a day. One fellow there was that cracked crowns of everyone who threw cap into the ring. This was Erica Lincoln, of great renown, whose name had been sung in ballads throughout the countryside. When little John reached the stand, he found none fighting, but only bold Eric walking up and down the platform, swinging his staff and shouting lustily, Now, who will come and strike a stroke for the last he loves the best with a good Lincolnshire yeoman? How now, lads? Step up, step up, or else the lass's eyes are not bright hereabouts, or the blood of Nottingham youth is sluggish and cold. Lincoln against Nottingham, say I, for no one hath put foot upon the boards this day such as we of Lincoln call a cudgel player. At this, one would nudge another with his elbow, saying, Go thou, Ned, or Go thou, Thomas. But no lad care to gain a cracked crown for nothing. Presently, Eric saw where little John stood among the others, a head and shoulders above them all, and he called to him loudly, Halloa, thou long-legged fellow in scarlet, broader thy shoulders and thick thy head. Is not thy lass fair enough for thee to take cudgel in hand for her sake? In truth, I believe that Nottingham men do turn to bone and sinew, for neither heart nor courage have they. 
Now, thou great lout, wilt thou not twirl staff for Nottingham? Aye, quoth little John, had I but mine own good staff here, it would pleasure me hugely to crack thy knave's pate, thou saucy braggart. I wot it be well for thee, and thy cock's comb were cut. Thus he spoke, slowly at first, for he was slow to move. But his wrath gathered headway like a great stone rolling down a hill, so that at the end he was full of anger. Then Eric Lincoln laughed aloud. Well spoken for one who fears to meet me fairly, man to man, said he. Saucy art thou, thine own self. And if thou puttest foot upon these boards, I will make thy saucy tongue rattle within thy teeth. Now, quoth little John, is there never a man here that will lend me a good stout staff till I try the metal of yon fellow? At this, half a score reached him their staves, and he took the stoutest and heaviest of them all. Then, looking up and down the cudgel, he said, Now, I have in my hand but a splint of wood, a barley straw, as it were, yet I trow it will have to serve me, so here goeth. Thereupon he cast the cudgel upon the stand, and leaping lightly after it, snatched it up in his hand again. Then each man stood in his place, and measured the other with fell looks, until he that directed the sport cried, Play. At this they stepped forth, each grasping his staff tightly in the middle. Then those that stood around saw the stoutest game of quarterstaff that e'er Nottingham Town beheld. At first, Eric Lincoln thought that he would gain an easy advantage, so he came forth as if he would say, Watch, good people, how I carve you this cockerel right speedily. But he presently found it to be no such speedy matter. Right deftly he struck, and with great skill of fence, but he had found his match in little John. Once, twice, thrice he struck, and three times little John turned the blows to the left hand and to the right. Then quickly and with a dainty backhanded blow, he wrapped Eric beneath his guard so shrewdly that it made his head ring again. Then Eric stepped back to gather his wits, while a great shout went up, and all were glad that Nottingham had cracked Lincoln's crown, and thus ended the first bout of the game. Then presently, the director of the sport cried, Play, and they came together again. But now Eric played warily, for he found his man was of right good metal, and also he had no sweet memory of the blow that he had got. So this bout, neither little John nor the Lincoln man caught a stroke within his guard. Then after a while they parted again, and this made the second bout. Then for the third time they came together, and at first Eric strove to be wary as he had been before. But growing mad at himself so foiled, he lost his wits and began to rain blows so fiercely and so fast that they rattled like hail on penthouse roof. But in spite of all, he did not reach within little John's guard. Then at last, little John saw his chance and seized it right cleverly. Once more, with a quick blow, he wrapped Eric beside the head, and ere he could regain himself, little John slipped his right hand down to his left, and with a swinging blow, smote the other so sorely upon the crown that down he fell as though he would never move again. Then the people shouted so loud that folk came running from all about to see what was the ado while little John leaped down from the stand and gave the staff back to him that had lent it to him. And thus ended the famous bout between little John and Eric Lincoln of great renown.
But now the time had come when those who were to shoot with a longbow were to take their places. So the people began flocking to the butts where their shooting was to be. Near the target, in a good place, sat the sheriff upon a raised dais, with many gentlefolk around him. When the archers had taken their places, the herald came forward and proclaimed the rules of the game, and how each should shoot three shots, and to him that should shoot the best, the prize of two fat steers was to belong. A score of brave shots were gathered there, and among them some of the keenest hands in the longbow in Lincoln and Nottinghamshire, and among them little John stood taller than all the rest. Who is young stranger clad all in scarlet, said some, and others answered, It is he that hath but now so soundly cracked the crown of Eric of Lincoln. Thus the people talked among themselves, until at last it reached even the sheriff's ears. And now each man stepped forward and shot in turn. But though each shot well, little John was the best of all. For three times he struck the clout, and once only the length of a barley corn from the centre. Hey for the tall archer, shouted the crowd. And some among them shouted, Hey for Reynold Greenleaf, for this was the name that Little John had called himself that day. Then the sheriff stepped down from the raised seat and came to where the archers stood, while all doffed their caps that saw him coming. He looked keenly at Little John, but did not know him, though he said, after a while, How now, good fellow? Methinks there is that about thy face that I have seen erewhile. Mayhap it may be so, quoth Little John, for often have I seen your worship. And as he spoke, he looked steadily into the sheriff's eyes, so that the latter did not suspect who he was. A brave blade art thou, good friend, said the sheriff, and I hear that thou hast well upheld the skill of Nottinghamshire against that of Lincoln this day. What may be thy name, good fellow? Men do call me Reynold Greenleaf, your worship, said Little John. And the old ballad that tells of this adds, So in truth, was he a Greenleaf? But of what manner of tree the sheriff wotted not? Now, Reynold Greenleaf, quoth the sheriff, thou art the fairest hand at the longbow that mine eyes ever beheld, next to that false knave Robin Hood, from whose wiles heaven forfend me. Wilt thou join my service, good fellow? Thou shalt be paid right well, for three suits of clothes thou shalt have a year, with good food and as much ale as thou canst drink. And besides this, I will pay thee forty marks each Michaelmas tide. Then here stand I a free man, and right gladly will I enter thy household, said little John, for he thought he might find some merry jest should he enter the sheriff's service. Fairly hast thou won the fat steers, said the sheriff, and hereunto I will add a butt of good march bear, for joy of having gotten such a man, for I wot thou shootest as fair a shaft as Robin Hood himself. Then, said little John, for joy of having gotten myself into thy service, I will give fat stairs and brown ale to all these good folk to make them merry withal. At this arose a great shout, many casting their caps aloft for joy of the gift. Then some built great fires and roasted the stairs, and others broached the butt of ale, with which all made themselves merry. Then, when they had eaten and drunk as much as they could, and when the day faded and the great moon arose, all red and round, over the spires and towers of Nottingham Town. They joined hands and danced around the fires, 
to the music of bagpipes and harps. But long before this merrymaking had begun, the sheriff and his new servant, Reynold Greenleaf, were in the castle of Nottingham. Good night. <laughs>